It's me again. It's Betsy Beers, and I am here um, with the latest edition of Scandal Revealed, our fabulous podcast. Today, we are incredibly excited here at our Scandal podcast to have the amazing, incredibly talented, and all I can say is flexible actor, Jeff Perry, who um, you guys probably know both from Scandal and from Grey's Anatomy, where he did an amazing turn as Thatcher Gray. And we're incredibly excited that he is joining me today. And as always, I'd like to tell you what he's wearing. He's um, looking incredibly buff, actually, in a gray t-shirt and jeans. And you can see his his biceps and triceps, which is very actually impressive. And um, he's wearing a nice pair of kind of van-like shoes. And I am wearing some lederhosen. Today I'm in Lederhosen, and I have a harmonica. You know, on Nobody fri- understands on why. On Fridays, Betsy, you know. It's Lederhosen Day. Yeah, yeah. There's always some fun day. Like it was Hat Day last Friday. and Today's Lederhosen and Day. And I think it's Lederhosen Day. And maybe, so we'll do, maybe we'll do a Kilt Friday next Friday, because I always liked Kilt Friday. And yeah. We used to do that, actually, in Grey's Anatomy. And the most amazing thing about Jeff Perry as an actor is what a phenomenal actor he is, because Jeff Perry, who plays one of the most interesting, complex, um, sneaky slightly um, political characters on television is the nicest dude you will ever meet in your life. I mean, this guy is so nice. He's just the most lovely, loving, kind, wonderful man. And whenever you put on that Cyrus Bean suit, I'm just reminded what a brilliant actor you are. Betsy, do you remember, it was from, uh, I think it was, you know, from Paul Lee's office, head of ABC, right? We're, We're doing a couple of tape me and you oh, yeah, totally. and Paul McGuigan, the we, director we were, we were of, the first, of the first episode, and we're auditioning, and we get a note in between two tapings, you know, I don't know how many days apart from that office, I think, mm-hmm. saying, okay, maybe, but l- more Rahm Emanuel and less lovely professor, please. <laughs> and and it, way, was a great it was a great note. note. It was a great note. It, that was kind. Of, that was gorgeous. Specific. I get it. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. There's a story. I am so apolitical and so ignorant, you guys. So I get the gig, and I start. I've got C-SPAN on. You know, <laughs> twelve yes, hours yes, a day. Yes, you're, And I'm reading everything from Hunter work. Thompson to Robert. You know, the the book about Robert Kennedy, the last campaign to, you know, Rolling Stone political stuff to whatever. And I read this thing about Rahm Emanuel where after Clinton got in and Rahm worked, I don't know his title during that, uh, but he worked that campaign. Grand Poobah. Bills. Uh-huh. Yeah, Grand Poobah. Maybe like Axelrod is now to yeah, Obama yeah, yeah. or mm-hmm. something, a senior s- strategist, you know. And he's sitting with a staffer. And they're going over a list of Democrats who they considered disloyal during Clinton's push to victory. Oh, my God. And the other person's reading the names. And after each name, the interviewer described that Rahm Emanuel has a fork in his hand. And he hears a name. And he goes, dead. (laughs) Another name, please. Dead. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay, Rahm Emanuel. Great. Well, and it's also what's great is Cyrus being to me... I've never had so much fun on television watching a character lose his patience. Because I think that there's, the, the, to me, the absolute standard, and maybe it's because I identify with it because I'm such a, a impatient, hostile human being secretly beneath the lederhosen. But 
It's watching the process in almost every episode where Cyrus Bean spends at least three <laughs> on-screen minutes trying to keep himself from literally braining somebody. Yeah, and with the head the tire exploding. Iron. I keep lo- I keep looking at myself. Hard for actors to look at themselves anyway. But you know, I love the show so much that I'm in. Uh, I'm almost in self-congratulatory mode as opposed to self-hatred mode. And <laughs> and um and as well you should be. Yeah. And and. <laughs> And, um, and uh, like just like you say, I watch myself and I go, you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. But you're doing the veins are bulging out of your neck. I worry about you constantly. I watch and I'm always just sort of like, he, he actually is going to have the first method heart attack in the history. <laughs> and for true. those of you guys who don't know what method is, it's, it's a form of acting where you honestly, you do the research and you become the character yeah. to a large degree, to such a degree that you embody and embrace everything about the character, which sometimes means it's hard to get out of character. Yeah. When you come home, too. Yeah. Um, but there, there are a couple of scenes in this episode that I look at, like, and look, the truth is you have, on this show, probably, we, we always laugh because you get the 55-page monologues because you're so good at them. And there's a famous one from last season that if you guys don't remember this, you need to get your asses back, which was maybe episode three or four. Uh, four. Four. In, in about a page and a half, it was one of the longest monologues I've ever seen in my life, you reduced the president's situation, career, and future potential suicide with this very perky voice because you're so pissed off in the most genius way I've ever seen. And ever since then, they just keep giving you more dialogue. Oh, gosh. Well, China's amazing, Ed. There's such a combination of the political thriller, page-turner genre going on and f- I call the, the writing staff professional surprisers because you just cannot believe you know what uh, uh, <laughs> the twists and turns that yeah. they come up with because they make sense and they're organic and at the same time they seem fearless and surreal and that combo's nuts and then Sh- what Sean has always been amazing at and just gets better at is the fabric and the history of relationships of just how are you and I doing, given what we've gone through. I think what's great about them, though, is they always come from character motivation. And the other thing, which has always been sort of this thing we've talked about internally, but is one of Chandra's mantras, is if, if there's a conflict, make it the worst possible, unresolvable conflict ever and then try to get out of it because that's what good drama is. It is so good she, drama. So she's not at all fearful. She embraces the messiness yeah. that comes from really getting your hands dirty. <laughs> yes. So there, yes. the what if yeah, in yeah, our yeah. world is always what's the worst case scenario and then how do you extricate yourself? And when it comes out of true emotion, when it comes out of real feeling and character – it actually feels organic and motivated, yeah. which is what I think is so great to watch you guys and how and you it's get what in actors, deep soup that way. It is. It's what actors love. My ex-wife is a brilliant actress, Laurie Metcalf. Who's terrific and has, has you know, been on Broadway and movies and also on And she was Grey's. had a gorgeous Grace episode. Right? She had a phenomenal Grace yeah, episode. Yeah, And I remember a Beth Henley play called the Miss Firecracker Contest, mm-hmm. and Lori was playing a, a character named Tessie Mahoney, and she was supposed to be slightly, you know, one of the homelier girls in town. And with Lori, that always translated into the biggest freak on the planet, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there was a false, you know, a false butt, 
you know, foam rubber butt and the longest, the biggest mole with the longest hair sure. coming out of it. Yeah. And, and, and um, Shonda's from a bit of the school of, okay, uh, it, it, everything's groundable, so make it as big. Uh, sure. Yeah, make it she's, as big she's as She's the big mole squirrel. You know, you look at Time magazine circa, you know, 10 days ago and start reading it, the David Petraeus and the, the, the and yeah. you just kind of go, uh, um, no, this is really bizarre and not necessarily more or less bizarre than anything we're doing. No, and you know, all this <laughs> stuff about, um, fixing elections. I mean, yeah. during the election, obviously there was, uh, this, the, there was all these conversations going on about suspicions at polling places and were votes counted and does Romney own voting machines and, and literally at the same time concurrently without knowing any of that, but simply knowing that there's always been a history and ever since the hanging chads, you know, several years ago, our writers and Shonda were concocting this amazing story, which is now coming kind of to a head here because James went to Defiance. Yes. He did which a little I, digging. Which he I, checked the machine. Which I find out in this episode. In this episode. Yeah. Where you think that you, you know, are just tootling along and this has probably got to do with an explosion, a chemical explosion, and in fact, they were potentially fixing voting machines. Yes. Is such an incredibly terrifying revelation. Yeah. And what's so great for you in this episode is primarily you are dealing with somebody who you think is having an affair. Yes. And you are, you know, worried about the fact that maybe he's having an affair. You have this whole issue. Maybe he's having an affair. And it's, it's so much worse. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and a, another kind of Shonda signature. I think it's in the very same scene within five seconds where I'm where. I'm given the information that makes me incredibly relieved that he's not having an affair, and then giving, and then immediately given the information of that it's he went, worse. He went to some place in Defiance, Ohio. What was the name of the town? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's also I love your interactions with Charlie, the incredibly <laughs> demented, phenomenal pack of old cronies of Hucks. Yeah. And I mean, I love Charlie anyway because Charlie just always really looks like he's so unhappy that he doesn't have a saw in his hand or a gun or something. Um, and I love that interchange in the garage between the two of you. Where he, he's literally like, seriously, can I start doing something fun? And you're just not even dealing with the fact that this dude is totally off the charts right. in terms of, of where his head is. Yeah. But I also just think, you know, the emotional interaction between you and James in this episode is so it's, – it's such an interesting relationship because it's so relatable in that – so many things in every relationship you don't I mean this is writ large you don't talk about yeah and you suspect and you think and you create things in your head yeah. and also something I think all of us can identify with which is home versus work and like all you really wanted was this dude who was gonna stay home and be your husband and not be this big deal and that damn dude won't stay out of the office I because know. the baby thing and James nails it you know you want me to be uh, uh, you you want me to be a barefoot you know wife at home uh, um, and and out of your hair you know uh, I'm not gonna really do that because you keep promising a baby but the baby never comes the baby never comes so, the smushy baby so, never comes so uh i'm as good at my job as you are at yours and that's what i'm gonna do and what and we discover over this season is he's really good at his job he's really good at his job like he actually yeah. goes to defiance he breaks into the high school and he gets the 
that's the kind of thing he does. Which the irony is, is part of the reason I think that's why you love him so much yeah. is because, like you, he's a dog with a bone. Yes. You know? Yes. Which is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of. Equals. It's so true. It's like Olivia and I will get into some emotional tussles. And it's because the wiring is so similar. <laughs> you know, she is just relentless. And um, and I just love her for it, you know. But if it's not my, if it's not the direction I want to go in, it's maddening. No, and it's, I mean, it's like the scene where she realizes in, I think it was the episode two weeks ago, that she realizes that Hollis, in fact, has done an incredibly horrifying thing, which is blow up Cytron. Yeah. And she comes to you, and you're literally, we learn so much about you each episode because nothing in that food chain phases you. Because as far as you're concerned, always the ends justify the means. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. she doesn't understand that is yeah. baffling. Yeah, it's baffling. And by the way, when I watch puzzling. you, I agree with you. I totally it's, agree with you. I'm it's like, just he's puzzling. right. Like, what's the problem? Honey, honey, we have to do horrible things so that other people can be pure. <laughs> So that the right people can be pure. It's genius. That, you have to. It's, it's absolutely genius. That and this amazing, I'm just going through my, my list of the best of Cyrus. Cyrus does and says essentially kind of what we want to do and say. I think a lot of times. Yeah, right. We give him license to say license things to that other people would, would never would go, do. Oh, I said that out loud? And no. I mean, the way you treat Sally Langston like throughout this entire thing, it's so funny. <laughs> it's just the, the total oh. dismissiveness oh and fury. The lines I get, Betsy, you've got oh, this good. thought, right? They're like, good. did you, did, have you read the whole Constitution or did you stop in rapture after the Second <laughs> Amendment? Let, okay, let me summarize the 25th Amendment. But there are two, there, the, the, the very, very end of season one, I mean, you have to admit the biggest twist at the end of season one is so genius. And it was you, you're cutting flowers, and Charlie shows up, and there was this amazing moment where you're totally you shouldn't come in. Charlie, and I the, thought we knew the rules well, we or something and, like yeah, that. Yeah. And literally, the audience is looking, going, "Oh my holy god, you did this!" But then season two starts, and I'm totally on your side again. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter, you know. Huck, I Huck know. took a drill to Charlie in, I in season know. one. And we found out there are all these people, and he's done amazing things. He's killed amazing people. Yeah. Huck, I don't care. I, hug him. I, are you kidding? Huck is our puppy dog. He's, he's the adorable. sweetest thing in the world. He's a Hallmark card. By the way, there's. I feel that same way when you're curled up with Liv on the sofa, because now you have the same way you go yeah. over to her house with a bottle of wine, yeah. or she has yeah. a bottle of wine. Yeah. And you're both sort of talking about how you're both going to be old and gray, and you're going to be with each other. And I can sort of picture you guys with each other. It's some strange... You know, retirement village where they're all filled with people who've done crazy ass things but are super devoted to each other. Yes. And, but yes. it's it's a very different kind of family, I think, don't you? Wild. Yes. Now I just have to mention, you know, in this episode, I think the thing that a lot of you guys having watched this and ladies, there was the most horrifying thing, you know, that actually somebody's done in a television show in a long time, in my opinion, which is go in and slaughter an innocent family. And by the way, a dog, which I know actually more people are probably upset about. And I just want to say about that, what I think is really interesting about it is that the writers thought very, very hard about this. And Shonda was very clear about it is you need to understand how purely evil Becky is. You need to actually understand what lengths she would go to. And the most horrible thing 
that anybody could imagine her doing was taking something that Huck loved so much and obliterating it, but also hurting innocent people, you know? And I think what it does is it's a horrifying moment and such an intense and amazing emotional moment in the episode, but it accomplished for me when I saw it exactly that, which is all I wanted was Becky to go down. So when Huck actually thinks about going with her, I'm sitting and staring at the television going, Huck, I love you, Huck. (laughs) And I actually had liked Becky. So once again, it's one of those situations which Shonda does an amazing job of creating this complex reality where I don't know how I'm supposed to be feeling, but I'm so engaged and involved and upset. And the size of it, like you said, is thrilling. You know, you used uh, operatic and it's Shakespearean. Yeah. You know, you think of the Titus Andronicuses and the Richard III's and the... Uh, um, you know, that's a storyteller who is not going to shy away from our worst and our evilest and our best and, you know, all of it, the exactly. size of it. Exactly. Of it. So what happens now, I think you guys know, is we take a little holiday break. We take a Christmas, Hanukkah, Ramanam, Festivus, Festival of Lights, any anything you guys feel like doing for a little while. But what I want to tell you is over the holidays, there will be some reruns of our show. So if you miss something, you just can catch up and it's going to be super easy to catch up. And you're going to be coming back to something pretty intense because at the end of this episode, as we all know, Huck gets dragged off for the assassination attempt on the president. And I don't know what's going to happen there. No. You know, I think the next episode, when you come back, you can't miss because there's some things that happen that are pretty intense and crazy. And from this point on, it is a roller coaster like you've never been on. And I also just want to say that the next episode is called One for the Dog. And I think you guys all know what that means because you've seen this episode. There's some great stuff next episode where I think you cross a line with your compatriots, which I've actually never seen anybody do on television. <laughs> It'll you you won't believe the lengths that Cyrus Bean and Belly Grant can go to to protect the things they love. Wouldn't you say? Yes. That's yes, that's perfectly put. Yes. Um and <clears throat> you you got to watch it because it's it's really, it's really quite something, and it's actually an incredible nail-biter episode in a very different way than you're used to. And by the way, how about the president? Think he's going to make it? Exactly. We'll kill anybody on this show, I'm just telling you. Tony Goldwyn, valuable part of the family. That's the pro, the con, we'll kill anybody. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for this. I can't thank you enough. We're going to get your tushy back here as soon as possible for the back nine so I can blather at you more. Oh, good, sweetheart. And also because we can um, talk more about your your incredible history as an actor and the fact that Jeff was, you know, is actually one of the finest actors in America, as we know, but also comes from Steppenwolf, one of the most amazing theater companies ever in the history of ever, did an <laughs> incredible play, Osage County, which you did. There's so many other things to talk about just about Jeff, who's so interesting and phenomenal. But um, I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave and it at that. And you're going to come back. And That's a Jeff oh, and Perry thank you, audience. Thank you, audience. Thank you, audience. Thank you for listening to these and Keep tweeting watching. with us and all Keep of that tweeting. stuff. Keep yeah. doing all those things that you people who actually know how to do those things do. Please remember Scandal. Come back January 10th. We're at 10 o'clock at night. 
um, Thursday, ABC. You might want to check out another little television show called Grey's Anatomy. 9 o'clock, ABC. And if you're hanging around on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock on ABC, you might want to check out Private Practice as well. But for the most part, because this is Scandal Revealed, you need to tune back into Scandal. This is Betsy Beers. Thank you so much for joining us again. Please have a happy holiday, no matter how you decide to spend it or who you share it with. And we will be back after the new year. Bye-bye.